Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. Thankfulness. You will get my Thanksgiving message this week with voice preaching next week. You, know, you get to hear a fresh voice, and uh, I get to take a little break and get fed for a Sunday. Amen. 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 But I want to talk to you about thankfulness. And uh, it's no accident that the Spirit of God just moves and set out in this place like he is. I can still feel it strong even right now. Yeah. That's not a mistake. That's not happenstance. That's not love. That's not love. That's worship. The Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. And worship is birthed from a spirit of thankfulness. Can I tell you today, you will not be a worshiper if you're not thankful. Unthankful people don't worship. Amen? Unthankful people only worship when they're in this crisis. Amen? If the only time that we worship is when we're in a crisis, we're always going to be in a crisis. I'll say that. We could always be in a crisis. But I'm going to tell you, we serve a God today who deserves our thankfulness. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. We're going to start there and read together. We stand one more time for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Reach your hands this way and ask God to anoint us in for the preaching and teaching of his word. And give us ears to hear this morning. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you again for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And thank you that you're still here and continuing to work. Jesus, use us today for the building of your kingdom. Touch your people. Magnify, let your name be magnified. May your church be edified and uplifted. And may we bring, uh, uh, may your Holy Spirit draw all men unto you. God, it's about you. It's not about me. God, it's a privilege and honor to be standing in this sacred, sacred desk and ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak in us and through us today. Give us freedom and liberty. Give us words and the ears to hear your word and the obedience to obey it. In Jesus' name. And all the church said, Amen. 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 It says, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. How many of us know that God's kingdom is not shaken today? How many of us know that this world is shaking today? I mean, are people scared today? But how many of us know that God is not sitting on his throne today, biting his nails or wringing his hands? He's God. And we are called to be and to walk and we were created in the image of God. And we are walking in and through something. And, uh, and you say, well, pastor, we're not in circumstances. I'm not saying that. We all walk through circumstances. But our God does not leave us in circumstances. And I'm going to show you that today. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom, we're all on a journey. Everyone is on a journey. I'm 47, almost 48 years old. We'll be in March, the middle of March. But can I tell you, there's been seasons in my life that were tough. And there's been mountaintops. And there's been valleys. Amen. How many has ever seen those? 
There's been really good times and there's been really bad times. And again, I tell you, we're on a journey. Life is a roller coaster. How many agree? Anybody ever rode a roller coaster? Me and Colorado ride roller coasters. Anybody ever rode a roller coaster? Sometimes you really enjoy it. You got low spots, then you got high spots, but it's up and down. And life can be like a roller coaster. As a matter of fact, life is it takes us through ups and downs. And Apostle Paul talked about it like this. He said that that life is a vapor. He said it's brief. He used that as, as, a, as brief. But he also referred to life as a race. Many times Paul referred to life as a race. And he wasn't talking about a sprint. How many knows the difference between a sprint and a marathon? Yeah. Uh, runners that run sprints that have something in them, they work to get their bodies to do something called have quickness and have speed. Runners that run sprints want to be faster. You ever heard anybody talk about these football players that can run a 4-2-4? That's pretty fast. But they want to have speed. But those who run marathons want to have endurance. Can I tell you today, church, the church has entered a season of being a runner in a marathon. More than anything else we need to be praying for, we need to be praying and asking God for a spirit of endurance. We need to be asking God to give us a spiritual stamina that's going to give us endurance. Sometimes instead of, uh, a lot of times, how many has ever had these days when you, instead of being on the track, you know, anybody, where I teach, they have the kids, they run cross country all the time. I got two or three of my kids talk about running cross country. That means they're running on trails and different, different stuff, uh, terrains and stuff like that, and it affects their speed as far as where they're running. But how many know that people that run on a track, they have a smooth surface to run? There's a difference. How many has ever got on a treadmill and walked two miles and it feel like you've gone anywhere? You haven't gone anywhere if you're on a treadmill. But how many spiritually sometimes feel like you're on a treadmill? You're walking, but you're not going anywhere. You're making the steps every day, but you're not accomplishing anything. But can I tell you today, you are in a race. We're all in a race. And God is walking and running this race with us. And, and uh, Hebrews said it like this. Therefore, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably and reverence it all. We are receiving. That means if I'm receiving something, I'm not getting all of it at one time. I'm receiving it in parts. So as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are receiving a part of the kingdom that is not shaken. You saw a Pastor Rex, how can I not be shaken? During this time, keep receiving what God has for you. Yeah. It's really easy. You keep leaving your hands open and receiving God. My dad used to tell me all the time a man that has his hand closed can neither give nor receive. You say, Well, Pastor Rex, what does that mean? Keep your hands open. Be ready to give praise to God and be ready to receive from God. Amen. And I'm not giving God praise because I want something from Him. I'm giving God praise, number one, because He is worthy. Amen. Yeah. When I give Him praise, the Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 20, chapter 12 and 29, it says, He is a consuming fire. He consumes your worship. That's what happens when we lift those songs and when we sing those songs that say, Well, my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. A consuming fire is consuming your worship. Because he longs to be worshipped. He said, if you don't praise me, the rocks and the mountains will cry and praise you. And he said, Pastor, what is the fuel of the ingredient of miracles in our life? It is simply thanksgiving. What if we only had today what we thank God for in the past? What if we start thanking God today and start receiving in the, into, the, into tomorrow? You say, well, Pastor, 
Why do you even talk about things like that? Because I'm a firm believer that Thanksgiving is the fuel for miracles. Thanksgiving is thanking God for something that you haven't received yet, which is called faith. Faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. I don't, I've never seen Jesus in person. I felt his spirit. I've been in the presence of angels before. Come on, messengers. But I've never seen him, but I know his spirit lives inside of me. I'm receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And as I continue to have a spirit of thanksgiving come over me and worship him for who he is, he blesses me and he consumes my worship. And as he's consuming my worship, Sister Judy, he is consuming my life. Amen. Moses stood in the, in the uh, desert, David, and he saw a bush that was not consumed. God had pulled him away from all the distractions and brought him to teach him something. And Moses was in the desert near the mountain and he said the bush was not consumed so he went closer to see why it was not burning up. It was not uncommon in the desert for them to things to catch on fire because it's dry and had a high heat and things would just combust and, and burn up and lightning storms would come and cause fire. So it wasn't uncommon for them to be fires but it was uncommon for a bush not to burn up. Something happened as he got closer. As God called out to Moses and said, Moses, Moses, Take your shoes off for the place you're standing is holy ground. You know what God was doing to Moses that day? He was consuming him. He was taking Egypt out of Moses so he could take Israel out of Egypt. Come on. It's because of one man's, in, in, uh, one man's obedience to the word of God. If he had never taken his shoes off, he had never felt the power of God. And God allowed Moses to see his backside, did he not? Now Moses looked different. His family knew he looked different when he came back because he had been in the presence of God. Moses was a man who was unlikely, an unlikely person to do a miracle for God. Moses told God, I can't go before the Pharaoh. I don't even speak well. I stutter. And God said, well, your brother Aaron is a very gifted speaker. I'll have him speak for you. So every excuse, come on, talk to somebody today. Every excuse we make, God's got an answer for. But when I go before him in Thanksgiving and I thank him for what I haven't seen yet, you know what God told me the other day? This is the reason I'm preaching this message. I was going to preach something that was totally different. I was going to preach a feel-good sermon and God told me to preach this today. I was driving home to work the other day and I heard this song come on the radio and uh, and uh, I heard this song come on the radio and it just, it just spoke to me. Next thing you know, I'm just weeping and trying to stay on 459 and not skewing nobody up on the interstate, you know. And I'm sitting there trying to stay in my lane and, and concentrate on God and what the Spirit's saying to me. And he says, if you'll begin to thank me for it, I'll begin to supernaturally do this. Amen. I just need you to start thanking me for it. I need you to push away the distractions and start thanking me for it. Because when you speak under the anointing of my Holy Spirit, I will do it. Listen, the reason... The reason Jesus came forth from the grave because the Spirit of the Lord caused the, the rock to be rolled away. Because of obedience. Because of a man obeying God. The reason Joshua took down the walls of Jericho because he obeyed the Word of God. I'm talking to somebody today. Hear me today, church. Your words have power. You can choose to be thankful and you can choose to say God is good or you can choose to say, oh, my world is falling apart. But can I tell you, what you speak and what you say and how you react to situations will either limit you 
or will break the door down for the Lord to do a work and a miracle in your life. And you say, well, Pastor, well, how do I, how do I become thankful? Think about all the things that God's done for you. Not all the things that you haven't got. Amen. Have you ever watched little kids playing? They'll have 20 toys in the sand bed and they all want the same toy. And they haven't been taught that. They're just kids. That's their human nature. They may be 20 little trucks there or tractors or sandboxes or shovels but they all want the same toy. I'm going to talk to you just for a moment. God didn't give you, give Sister Tracy's anointing to me. He gave Sister Tracy her anointing and my anointing. Y'all see where I'm going with this? I don't need what somebody else has got. I need to pursue what God's got for me. Amen. I need to learn to walk in the skin that God created me to walk in and the anointing and the authority. I remember that series I preached a few weeks ago about spiritual authority. Yeah. I need to learn to walk in the authority that God's given me. And I need to allow my mouth to line up with what God's speaking to my heart. Yes. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? I start being thankful. I begin to thank God for, for things that's crazy. If I need a new car, I begin to thank Him for a new car. If I need a job, I begin to thank Him for it. I'm speaking those things that are not as though they were. I'm obeying Scripture. Yes. You say, well, Pastor, can you go on that, that name to climb it? No, I'm just telling you what Scripture says. I'm just telling you what Scripture says today. So when I get thankful... All heaven and earth moves from me because I'm walking in obedience to the word of God. And then I do something, I kick it up a notch. Then I begin to start praying the word. And I start reminding God what his word says. He's not going to make you mad. He's not going to take his little locking boat and tap, tap with it. Nothing's wrong with reminding God what his word says. God, you said in this scripture that this would happen. This would take place. If I do this, everywhere in the Bible that you see God performing miracles, somebody walked in obedience. Yes. And everywhere you see a catastrophe and you see a crisis, it's because of disobedience and our sin. So the problem is today in the church is we've forgotten that some things are still called sin. Some things God don't want us to do. There's some lifestyles God don't want us to live. There's some things that we cannot do because we're receiving the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. It also says, Marie, can you go back one scripture, verse 28? It says, therefore, since we're receiving the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and in reverence and in awe. When is the last time you were in the presence of God and you can't even talk to God because the presence of God is so strong, all you can do is just worship? Yeah. That's the presence of God that we're in, in the part of, in, in the presence of this morning, is that when you can't say, I mean, there's times when I get in the presence of God, the presence of God is so strong, I can't even ask God for anything. All I can do is just worship Him. I'm in reverence and awe of who God is. Don't you, don't lose, church, your awe of who God is. Don't let your circumstances determine your future and your mindset because you've not seen it happen to yet. How many ever heard that Danny Gokey song? Maybe you just haven't seen it. Just haven't seen it yet. You're closer than you think you are. You're only moments from the break of dawn. All his promises are just up ahead. You just, just haven't seen it. You just haven't seen it yet. 
The Bible talks that we need to encourage each other in spiritual songs and hymns. Isn't that what Scripture says? As long as we have time to do so. So situations like Friday night and you have a, a taste of Christmas, which I was kind of jealous, jealous of because I didn't get to come eat to afterwards. But anyway, that's okay. Too. I'll forgive y'all. But they have a time of fellowship. The Bible says that he's made us to sit. I'm making a point here. The Bible says he's made us to sit together in heavenly places. A lot of times we think that's just a church service. But a lot of times God has made us to sit together in heavenly places in fellowship. Why did the church grow such such strong so strongly in the book of Acts? Because they met each other's homes and they ate together and they sold their goods to make sure the other people had and had houses and their widows and their children were taken care of because they gave, they sold what they had to make sure what somebody else had what they needed. In the last days, for the church to prosper, we gotta go back to the book. If we're not meeting other people's needs that can't meet their needs in a godly way by the Bible, we're not doing what the church is called to do. If we're not sitting together in fellowship and breaking the bread and breaking the bread of life, the word of God, we're not operating according to what the word wants us to operate. That's the reason I believe in small groups. I'll pass the whole lot of small groups when people just stand around and talk and they read the scripture and they talk about life. But the word of God is still relevant to today. For every one of life's situations, the word of God has an answer. I'm going to say that again. For every one of life's situations, there's an answer to the word of God. Whether we choose to go by it, it's left up to us. So I believe in that. I believe that men get saved on the camp out by a campfire. I believe men get saved in a bathtub. I've seen it happen. I've seen women get saved on a shopping trip or on that women's day out. I've seen burdens lifted because somebody was going through something that they had nobody to talk to, but they went on that women's retreat and they found an answer because they had somebody to listen to and a, a group of like-minded women that would pray with them and lift them before the throne. You say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? It means we need the church. Can I challenge you today? There's going to be lots of opportunities in the in the future to do like a lot have is quit coming. But can I tell you, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, we should be meeting much more today. And we're robbing ourselves of a blessing. We're robbing ourselves of Julie when life is hard. I need somebody to pick me up and be there for me. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to text me and tell me that they love me and they're praying for me. She did that the other day. One of my hardest days that week, she texted me and told me, I love you and I'm praying for you and God's got the answer. I was about to lose my mind that day. I'm just being real. I don't mean lose my mind. I mean I was in a battle. But she texted me. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit talking to somebody else who takes five minutes to text somebody else to encourage them that makes a world of difference in their life. That's the reason we need each other. You said, well, Pastor, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that I can drive down that hill and see ladies spending hour after hour to set things up and put on showers and go to birthday parties and do women's ministry and take groceries to people that are have gone through stuff. You know what that's called? That's called ministry. And Jennifer and I didn't do it, but you did it because you called to do that. And you're being a part of the body of Christ and walking in your call. It's called worship. It's not a song. It's not, a, it's not some words. Worship is how we live, church. Our worship is how we live. Thankfulness, 
is the key. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruits of the lips that confess his name. Let us. The fruit of our lips. What is the fruit of our lips? Our words. Now, how many has ever hurt somebody with your words? How many has ever encouraged somebody with your words? Our words are producing some fruit every day. It's good or it's bad. How many has ever unintentionally hurt somebody with your words? Didn't mean to, but it still hurt somebody. That's the reason scripture tells us that if I think a brother has wronged me, I go to him. Isn't that what scripture says? And I try to make it right. Now listen, if you go try to make, I'm going to help somebody right here. If you go try to make something right with somebody and they don't get here, you've done your part. You walk away, wash your hands of it, and you go on. Give you some help. And some people don't want no help. Did I say that? Yeah, some people don't want him. And there's some people that do. And what Satan will do is he'll rob you of your joy trying to pursue somebody that don't want any help. Man, did I say that? Yeah, I did. Listen, church, we lose our joy over what people want to do, and they're not going to stop regardless of what you tell them. And you're losing your joy. I'm talking to the preacher, to the preacher. And we lose our joy because somebody won't do right, and ultimately it's left up between Jesus and them. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of God undeniably without fault and without uncompromising the, the uncompromising word of God. Do I make mistakes? Yeah, I misquote scriptures more than some of you ever know. I call Hebrews James sometimes and James Hebrews. I do. Get up here, you'll do it too. No matter how many times you read it. But it's not my job as a pastor to save people. It's my job to preach the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and God to save. So it's your job as a Christian is to show the gospel and live the gospel in front of other people. It's not our job to save people. Believe it or not, the Lord's really dealt with me about this in your life. Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day and said these words. I didn't call you to restoration to grow a church. I called you to restoration to leave a church. Amen. One man plants, one man waters, give you scripture, but God hasn't given increase. When we try to think that the increase is left up to us, we are robbing ourselves of joy and we're constantly consumed with what somebody else is doing. I'm helping somebody today instead of enjoying what God's called us to do. And that's preach the gospel and live Jesus in front of people. Love unconditionally. That's what he's called us to do. Let's talk about a few things real quick. I'm going to run through these really fast. What does thankfulness do? I'm going to ask you the question. What does thankfulness do? What does thankfulness do for you, Jordan, when you're thankful? Just a question. In your own words. When you're thankful, what does it do to your spirit, I should say? It brings you joy and peace. Brings you joy and peace. You find a thankful person, you're going to find a happy person. You tell, show me somebody that's unthankful and they're negative and they're condescending towards people in the church, I'm going to show you a miserable human being. Amen. But if you're thankful for what you have, 
Listen, I don't need to be asking God and being mad because somebody else has got a Mercedes Benz when I got a Toyota. When God wanted me to have a Toyota, not a Mercedes Benz. I may have a Mercedes Benz down the road, but I'm not going to lose my joy because somebody else has something that I don't have. Amen. We need to understand that. A lot of times all they got is debt. The Bible says that the borrower is a servant to the lender. Is that what scripture says? You know what I can truthfully thank God for this morning? That this church owes no one except utilities. Amen. And everything that this church body has done that you're a part of is debt free. And if things get bad, I don't have to wring my hands on how to figure out how to pay the insurance and the power bill. Because God's been good to us. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. You say, Pastor, you bragging. Yeah, I'm bragging on my God. I'm bragging on the faithfulness of His people. And we can be in a lot of situations. There's churches closing every day because they build big, big buildings that they didn't need anyway. And they're in debt. Now they can't pay the bank. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, God gives us something called common sense. And when we go by the word of God that says the borrower is a servant to the lender, if we stay out of that situation, not only is that good for our church, that's good for our life. Amen? That's good for our life. So I'm just showing you what God's doing. A lot of times we look around and we say, well, so-and-so ain't here no more. And this one don't come no more. Or we lost this and we lost that. We, did we ever look around and thank God for what we got here? Because I'm not going to sit and so you know what happens to water when it don't move? Anybody ever went to a pond in the summer when it gets real dry? I mean, Brian and Regina have a pond, but it has a spring that's feeding it. But you ever seen a, a pond that gets real dry in the summertime? What happens to that water? It gets stagnant. Everybody ever seen a little creek that'll get dry in the summertime? My mama used to call it the dog day in the summer. All this was really dry. And it gets stagnant, the water gets a smell to it because it's not moving. Let me tell you something today, church. Something that's moving, don't smell because it's alive. Amen. I haven't seen God do it all yet. But we're still alive. Yeah. We're still moving. We're still accomplishing things for the kingdom. Don't get stagnant. That water stops, it gets stagnant. We keep moving, we're alive. That means we still got some life. Don't judge your life on one seat. Okay, first point. Thankful for it. Stress relieves anxiety. I mean, thankfulness relieves stress and anxiety. We get that out. Thankfulness relieves stress and anxiety. You say, how is that? Third, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I want to say First Thessalonians. That's later. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. What does he tell us to do? Don't be anxious about anything. And then he says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I present my request and my petitions. Anybody ever sign a petition? You sign a petition because you want something changed. You go before the throne room as he tells us to do in Hebrews chapter 4 because I want God to change something. Can I tell you today, there's many of you under the sound of my voice. You haven't seen God change it yet, but can I tell you, the darkest hour is just for holding on. You keep making your petition to God. He's about to change some stuff. And he says, I, I, and the peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your... 
What are people struggling with now? They just want some peace of So how do I get peace of mind? I take my petitions and my requests to God. This is Paul. Anybody know about Paul? Paul spent the majority of his life writing the books of the Bible from a prison cell, eating things that rats wouldn't eat and being beaten and being flogged and being falsely accused. But Paul wrote some of the greatest books of the Bible. Amen? From a prison cell. He didn't let his circumstances change who his, where his calling was. A lot of times we let our circumstances change uh, okay, my prayers. Okay, I can't go back to God today and I can't ask for that again because he didn't give it yesterday. I need to start saying, well, I'm going to speak those things that are not as though they were and I'm going to watch God move. I'm by faith speaking that so I can have some peace. I cast my prayer and my petition with thanksgiving. It said with thanksgiving. So I make my request known to God being thankful. So in essence, I'm thanking God for something I haven't got yet. How has ever been thankful? My son was doing that yesterday at home. He wanted, told me and his mom what he wanted for Christmas. And we told him, you need this. You're fixing to go back to college. You need this. He said, my mom and dad, you know, you know you're going to give me this anyway. You just say that. You know you're going to do it anyway. And we probably will. But we got to make him sweat in the meantime. Right? And Gina's more fun that one. But he's thanking us for and he was being facetious messing around with us. But how many ever used to make your little Christmas list out as a kid and you wanted it and you made your list for Santa and you had an anticipation that you was going to get it on Christmas? What if we started going to God and making our list to God and we started anticipating God bringing us our gifts that we need? Yes, how many ever went to Christmas and you made it, or, or before Christmas you made your list and you made your, your petition to your mom or dad or Santa or whoever and you didn't get what you wanted at Christmas? But you still got something that you was thankful for. Yes. How many of us know that God's not Santa Claus, but He is God? And a lot of times He gives us what we need, not what we want. Because He sees that. I'm gonna tell you, I you know what I want? I don't want something that I want. I want what He wants me to have. I want to get what all God's got for me. And He's beginning to start putting the pieces together here at the church. So I'm not gonna fuss with Him about it if He takes a little longer to do it than I think He ought to. I'm just going to keep making my petitions and my requests on to God with thanksgiving and then I'm going to have a peace and lead us into the presence of God. That way when I get up here to preach or whoever's preaching or whoever's sharing, there's an atmosphere of worship here. We're, we're, we're setting the atmosphere. It's important. So I start thinking to myself, thinking, reminding myself rather, who my God is. It says in 1 Chronicles chapter, chapter 16 and verse 34, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. He is good. God don't get good. That's who God is. He is good. God don't have to go get love. God is love. Amen. His love endures forever. That means until he gets finished with this earth, his love still going to be reaching people. How is he going to reach people with his, with his love? Through his church. Not just a building on a hill, but an individual that loved Jesus Christ and was sold out to him. That's how his word is continued. Number three, thankfulness helps us become stronger, a stronger witness for Jesus. The church was exploding in the book of Acts because the church had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I wouldn't take anything for what I felt here in this house this morning. Yes, There's no substitute for that. But I can take it out there on the street with me and still feel that power and presence of God walking through me out when I leave outside these walls. It causes me to witness. 
The disciples said, Jason, they couldn't help but to tell people about Jesus. Remember the woman at the well when Jesus told her everything she'd ever done wrong? And she began to walk up to people. Come let me show you a man that told me everything I ever done. Because she not only drank water from the well, but she drank water from the well that day. And she couldn't help but to tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, that we would fall in love with Jesus again and begin to have the joy of the Lord that we can't help but to tell somebody about Jesus. That lady at Walmart that's using all those coupons and rush out, you can tell her about Jesus. That person that's being irritable to you at work, you can show them Jesus. A lot of times by how we act, not just what we say. That's important. Difficult situations we can still show Jesus. Psalm 9 and 1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of your wonders. If Jesus has changed your life, you're going to want to tell somebody else about it. You're going to want to show somebody else about Jesus. Let me say this. It's not just what we say. More than anything else, it's how we live. Jesus changed people's lives because of how he lived. Let me say this. Jesus went to the lowly, the widow, the prostitute, the orphan, the tax collector. He went to those people and he reached them. He didn't sin with them. Did he? He didn't sin with them. He loved them. He was in it, not of it. See where I'm going? Matter of fact, a lot of times he told them, his presence told him that something was wrong, right? Yeah. Remember the woman at the well? And after he talked to her three times, she says, I sense you're a prophet. You know what it said? She sensed that she was in the presence of God. My father used to come here, and your father used to come here to this well. She realized that he was a prophet. In other words, she had, somebody had planted a seed in her, but she had walked away from him. How many people will God put in our lives just walked away from the Lord and God puts you in their lives to reach them and bring them back in? Paul called it the ministry of reconciliation. He said, we're married to. We're married to the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile somebody back to the Lord. Thankfulness gives us victory. I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses and verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. It's not about me. Every day I get up and I say that verse to God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When that alarm clock goes off and I want to sleep another hour, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I walk in there and those kids are being difficult and rambunctious and not listening or being late for class or disturbing class, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I learn to remind myself the word of God. Number five, I'm thankful. Thankfulness is his will for my life. Being thankful is God's will for your life. It's God's will. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ. Paul's writing this in first Thessalonians and he's not in a good situation. He said to thank God in all circumstances. In all circumstances, God is still good. I like to hear people say, God is good 
All the time. We used to say this all the time in the church, remember? God is good all the time, and all the time. What happened to that? We don't use it anymore. I guess it's just like COVID, but it's still true. God is still good. On my best days, he's good. On my worst days, he's good. So thankfulness is God's will for me. For me to be thankful, and I'm being thankful, people said, you know, anybody ever had to ever ask you, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Number one, if you're thankful, you're already in God's will. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Number six, thankfulness brings joy. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is the strength and my shield. My heart trusts him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. With my song, I praise him. With my song, I praise him. Everybody knows that David was a musician. Anybody remember that David danced before the Lord with all of his mind? Remember that scripture? When David danced before the Lord and all, and he took it a step further, he was naked dancing before God. That's really kind of messed up for some of us. And his wife laughed at him. Did she not? You know what scripture said? And basically, David said, I'm not doing this for you, I'm doing this for God. I'm going to worship regardless. Whenever you worship, they're going to be naysayers. I don't know why you go to church like that. All these down there in church churches are a bunch of hypocrites, but they are at the gym. They're at the hunting club. Amen. Is it okay to say stuff like that every once in a while? Yes. Give the grits on your job. I don't even know why you do that. Because I love the Lord and He saved me from hell. Amen. He redeemed me. Why do you go to church down there with a bunch of folks? You know, so and so, that's the biggest hypocrite I've ever seen. Yeah, they're trying and you're not. Right. Right. Amen. That's right. Sometimes you got to tell people. Maybe sometimes we have to stand up for the gospel. Sometimes we have to defend the faith. Do we not? Sometimes we have to defend the faith. Sometimes we have to tell people, Regina, there ain't but one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God. I've heard that one this year. Oh, there's just many ways to God, Mr. Hammond. Oh, no, go read the book. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. It's not some universal. It's not Hinduism. It is Jesus Christ who saves and delivered me from hell. Amen? It is heaven and hell, and we're going to spend, one, spend eternity one place or the other. The truth of the matter is, if we don't know Jesus, we're going to hell when we leave this earth. If we know Jesus, we're going to heaven. Amen? Good story, bad story. Amen? It's the truth. Yeah. But the good news is, is God's not planning anybody to go there. It's a free gift. God, defense of the gospel. Did we defend it? I mean, anybody ever heard of Francis Chan? Ever listen to this guy preach? You don't have to guess where he stands when he gets through. But he tells people the truth. The Bible says, know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If we don't know the truth, we can't tell the truth. So the truth of the matter is, is I'm lost and undone, and I can't accomplish anything without the help of Jesus. Amen. I don't accomplish anything unless Jesus gives me the strength. So I need to be thankful every day. My brother says this all the time. Savannah's dead. He says, if God never done another thing for me, after today, I still have eternity to thank him for what he's already done. If he never done one other thing for me, I'm still going to be thankful to him for what he's done behind me. 
And I guarantee you, if you're thankful for what he's done behind you, he's going to do things for you in the future. Amen? Amen. Because that's his will for you. Last one. Thankfulness changes the atmosphere. You want to know why the Holy Spirit come and fell in this place today and visited with us and ministered to people? Because we have a spirit of thanksgiving in here. And he inhabits the praise of his people. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Know that he is the Lord our God. When you come in here with an attitude of gratitude, you move all heaven and earth through your praise. Amen? Amen. That's good preaching if I'm doing it. We move heaven and earth. If we have the power to speak death and life with the tongue, we have the power to magnify God who can move all heaven and earth. We have that power within us. We have the authority through humility. I think a lot of times what the Lord's calling it, not a lot of times, but every day God's calling us to this. This is something he's dealt with me about this week. He dealt with me about a lot of things. Y'all can tell the Lord just deals with me about a lot of things. Y'all think y'all just got a spotless pastor. Well, no. I wrestled with this thing 28 different ways before I preached it on Sunday morning. He says, what I want you to start doing, I want you to start thanking me for what you haven't seen yet. And start expecting it from you. My wife shared some things that somebody shared with her in the church the other day about what they've been praying for. I'm a firm believer that God's not doing it because I'm here. God, God's doing it because there's a body of believers here that believe Jesus Christ in his word. It's not about me. It's not about me at all. It's about him and his kingdom. And I want all glory and honor and praise to go to him. To understand that our words have power and that thankfulness will always bring joy. Say, Pastor, what do I do tomorrow when I get up and I'm battling depression and anxiety? You start to thank someone. Praise him. Yeah. David says, we bring the sacrifice of praise. Because some days it's a sacrifice to praise the Lord. Amen. You say, Well, Pastor, how, what do you mean? When you've had that argument with your spouse and your kids are not doing right and the call won't pray, is it still hard to is it harder to praise the Lord? And the power bills do. Or whatever's going on in your life. Or someone's sick. Is it hard to praise God? It's a sacrifice of praise. Then scripture says. Obedience is better than the of God. It's to obey God. That's the reason he says. He's called us not only to be hearers of the word. But to be doers of the word. He also said that he in the last days is going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh and the signs and the wonders will follow them that believe. You might remember Peter and John walking down the road and the shadow healed people. Remember those stories? They're walking by and the shadow hits a man and healed. That didn't come by saying, now lay me down and sleep prayers. That come by some sacrifice. We 
preach a gospel today in a lot of our churches that says, just say a prayer. Jesus is following you. When the true gospel says, I got to give up all to follow him. Yeah. It's going to cost me something. Following Jesus is going to cost you something. It has cost me friends. It has cost me promotions. But one day when I stand before God, he's not going to worry about how nice of a house I had, or how nice of a vehicle I had. What he's going to be concerned about is what I did for the kingdom. Yes, amen. We need to live with the kingdom perspective, church. And live. Let me listen. Let me, listen to me, church, right here. Don't let your the Satan rob you of the joy of your days with your family. Worrying about what you don't have. Look what he's blessed you with. I got health. I got a beautiful new grandbaby. Think about that. It's a blessing. She got a blessing yesterday that she didn't have today. God's been good. All my life, you have been faithful. Thankfulness is the key. Thankfulness is the fuel for miracles. Thankfulness will bring miracles in your life. Without question. How many seen God move this year? In your health, in your children, in your life. Thankfulness is the fuel for miracles. When we're thankful, God moves. Every time. In the Old Testament, before they went into battle, the worshipers went out first. You know what they did? They would go out and worship before the army went out. You know what they were doing? Conditioning the atmosphere for victory with their worship. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. So what happened to our feet? Slide into our path, Lord. We thank you for what you've done at our house tonight and our services. Services more. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for resting on us this morning. Thank you for the power of you, Jesus. And I feel in this room right now that you're touching hearts and lives. You're touching hearts and lives. If you're here in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead you through it today. If your heart's not where it needs to be with the Lord, I'm going to lead you to Jesus today. He's calling you. He's calling you. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray with you. You're not where you need to be with him. Father, in Jesus' name, I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I ask you to change my heart. Lord, I commit my life to you. I give every sin, every bit of anxiety, every bit of hate and anger and unforgiveness to you. Lord, I lay it at your feet. I ask you to replace it with your love, your grace, and your peace today. I ask you to change my heart for eternity. Lord, I lay it all at your feet today. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Amen.